0: welcome to the no small churches podcast i'm your host Ephraim wilkoff we exist to amplify preaching from faithful leaders serving the local church at no small churches we believe that when measured in kingdom value there are no small churches We're continuing our celebration of women evangelists throughout the Eastertide season this week with a sermon from Rev. Dr. Kristen Bennett Marble, Senior Pastor of West Morris Church, a free Methodist church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Kristen and I connected via some mutual friends on Facebook a few years ago. Because we are both foster and adoptive parents, we became fast friends. The first day I met her in person— I let her teenage daughter babysit my children at Free Methodist General Conference in 2019. She and her family are terrific, and they exemplify what it means to make more room at the table. Despite being a smaller church, West Morris Church worships in a large building in downtown Indy. Because they have this great resource, they have two other worshiping communities worshiping in the same space, and pre-COVID there were six communities that used that space. again. Kristen loves to make more room at the table. When asked what her church does well, Reverend Dr. Kristen says her church partners well with the community to make a great impact. And when asked about a long-term dream, she says she dreams of engaged disciples intentionally making other disciples who disrupt the powers of the world by God's creative redemptive work. That is a word. I love that so much. Now, normally at this point in the podcast, I will begin reading the scripture reading for the day. But when I downloaded Reverend Marble's sermon for this week, I loved the way their scripture reader presented the scripture. They left time and intention to let the word soak in. So I'm going to let Kevin Watson, a local ministerial candidate at West Morris, read the scripture for us. If you're not a Free Methodist, a LMC or local ministerial candidate is someone on the beginning of their journey towards ordination in the Free Methodist Church. Let us pause together for a moment as we prepare to hear the Word of God and to hear from Kevin and to hear from Reverend Dr. Kristen Bennett Marble.
1: Today's reading is going to come out of Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. It is on page 38 in our journal today. And it reads as thus Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up walked along with him, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces now cast. One of them, named Cleotus, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things? and then enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. He went in and he stayed with them. Think about that. When When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then, Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from sight, from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those men and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way, how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread.
2: Think about a unique house guest that you've welcomed into your home. Maybe it was to stay for an evening or for a meal around your table. Did you think of someone? Some of you might have thought of an esteemed guest, maybe a senator or an important leader or a business owner, or maybe thought of somebody different. Maybe the child at your child's school who your child befriended because no one else did, or the single mom struggling to put food on her table. Or the recent immigrant to the United States who was still learning English. I remember one Christmas that we lived in Montana. We happened to meet a single mom at a thrift store. We were there with our kids. We had eight at the time and she was there with hers. She had six or seven. The kids got to playing and we got to talking. And we soon discovered that even though it was the Christmas season, she was just focused on finding winter clothes for her kids. We exchanged numbers hoping to keep in touch and went our separate ways. The next time we did get together was actually our kids' idea. They came to me after we left the thrift store and said, Mom, what if we used our Christmas money and bought all their kids Christmas gifts? And then what if we invited them over for a special Christmas celebration and had dinner and we could play together again? And so that's exactly what we did. We lost track of each other shortly after that Christmas celebration. She moved away to be closer to family, but I've often thought about that special time of opening our doors, of expanding our table. It reminds me of third John verse five, dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. And Hebrews 13, one and two, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. You know, we've been in the gospel of Luke since January. And one of the major themes throughout Luke's gospel is table fellowship. Over and over again, we see Jesus eating with others, and rarely were they the senators and important leaders. Usually they were the ones that nobody else invited or even welcomed. In fact, he's even chastised, isn't he, for his choices of dining companions. Mm -hmm. But Jesus isn't focused on impressing others. He's determined to demonstrate God's character, and the two don't often overlap. In today's scripture, we see Jesus eating once again at a table with others. But that's not where our story starts. Our story begins on a road. And along the way, we discover three moves, three moves that the main characters make, in the story, and three moves that we are invited to make as well. So let's go. And let's meet our travelers. Luke tells us that Cleopas and one other disciple were walking along the road. Have you ever wondered who that other disciple was? I think we might discover that other disciple if we look in John's Gospel. John chapter 19 verse 25 says near the cross of Jesus stood his mother his mother's sister Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene now it's very reasonable that John and Luke might spell Cleopas or Clopas named differently and I also think it's reasonable to say that Cleopas's walking partner was none other than his wife Mary (laughs) a side note here have you ever thought You know when you have a baby and you get the baby name books and there's 2001 baby names? (laughs) You ever think reading the Bible that maybe they needed a baby name book? I mean, my gracious, how many Marys and James and Johns can you have? But this is another Mary. We can't be for sure, but it seems reasonable that a husband and wife who saw Jesus's crucifixion, two disciples whose hopes and dreams had been dashed, would be making their way home back to their village of Emmaus, maybe even back to their pre-Jesus days and way of life. You see, even after the resurrection, there was still despair. Even with the reports of the resurrection, even with the testimonies of the women and Peter, most disciples didn't know the truth yet themselves. They didn't believe it. They couldn't believe it, and they still found themselves hopeless and despairing because they hadn't had their own experience of Jesus' resurrection yet. The truths of that haven't really changed today, have they? Faith isn't just about hearing other people's stories and other people's experiences. We have to engage it ourselves. There's a difference, isn't there, between lying on a beach in Hawaii and looking at someone else's pictures of their Hawaiian vacation. You see, among the disciples, among those crowds who followed Jesus, who put their hope and trust in him, there was still hopelessness and despair. That's an important reminder for us today because today there continues to be hopelessness and despair. Just because Easter's happened doesn't mean Easter's fully known. Doesn't mean Easter is fully experienced. There's still pain and brokenness. We have to experience the truth of Jesus's resurrection ourselves in our own lives. We can't ride the coattails of someone else's faith. We can't have a second-hand faith. It has to be personal, filled with our own experiences, our own stories of trust and redemption. As Jesus catches up to these two disciples walking along the road, downcast, despairing, his approach is interesting. I mean, think about what all he could have done. He could have revealed himself, stood in front of them on the road and said, Here I am. It is I. I have risen. But he didn't. What did he do? He sent them to God's word in the Old Testament, to the prophets and the Pentateuch, the very places that characterized and defined his ministry. The very places where he, he took from scripture his commands to love God and to love people, his commitment to the poor, the marginalized, the widows, the orphans, and the foreigners, his passion for healing the sick and the lame, for giving sight to the blind, for setting the prisoners free and sending out workers empowered by the spirit to do the same. Jesus said himself, it was in those times that the kingdom of God was drawing near and now on the road to Emmaus, the kingdom again was drawing near in conversation as the risen Christ, the Messiah, the teacher, the word made flesh, taught from the word who made flesh and his teaching made a difference. The disciples were reminded of Jesus' teaching to welcome the stranger. The disciples were reminded of their calling to follow Jesus and to make other disciples. Their faith was restored. Maybe not fully, but enough. Enough to act like Jesus. Enough to act in the ways that Jesus had taught them to act. Enough to live like Jesus had modeled for them to welcome the stranger into their home and to gather with that stranger around the table. Now we know the rest of the story that the stranger was actually Jesus, but they didn't know that. He was just a stranger when they said, Hey, come with us, come to our home and eat with us. They just knew what Jesus had done and they made a great move from despairing to discipling. It's a great lesson for us as well. That when we find ourselves in the place of despairing of walking away from God, dejected, hopeless, confused, that we're invited into God's word, into God's story. We're invited to be reminded of who God is, what God's character is like and and how we are to live in response. If you think about the commands of Jesus, there's not a single one that Jesus didn't do first himself. I mean, think about some of those commands. What are they? Praise, pray, love, teach, forgive, rest, follow, go. Every single command Jesus gives us, he has gone before. He's gone first. He's done it for us, modeling the way. And we're just invited to do the same in response, out of loving obedience. So while we might not be able to take a walk with Jesus along the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, we can invite him to be present anywhere and everywhere, anytime we do walk or run or crawl or sit. And we can be reminded, as Cleopas and Mary were, about who God is in God's word, to go from despairing to discipling. Now we're once despairing, now discipling disciples' day was not yet over. For as they fellowshiped around the table, their discipling turned to delighting. As they imitate Jesus, as they opened their home and opened their table, they recognized Jesus right there at the table as he was doing precisely what he had taught them to do. Jesus is revealed. You see, Jesus is revealed when we imitate him. And Jesus is recognized when we live like him. Jesus is discovered as we disciple others, loving strangers, extending hospitality, gathering around the table in fellowship. And it's true today, too. Or it can be. Think about your past week, who you opened your home to or your front porch or the backyard, who you shared a table with, who you extended a blessing to. How was Jesus revealed? How was Jesus made recognizable? How was Jesus discovered this past week in your life? And now think about the week ahead. What will you intentionally do this week to make Jesus recognizable? Because remember, for Cleopas and Mary, they only recognized Jesus when they did what Jesus had taught them when they welcomed the stranger, and when they gathered around the table. So what choices will you make that only make sense in the light of Jesus, that others might say, that doesn't make sense, that's odd. And you say, no, that's Jesus. One of the new features of the West Morris weekly newsletter that gets sent out is a missional living challenge. Each week, there'll be one simple challenge that you can do to begin living intentionally as a missionary right where God has placed you. The challenge that was in Friday's newsletter was to bless someone this week, someone who is not currently walking with Jesus. Oh, it's great to bless your friends from church. I'd encourage you to do that. But this challenge is about blessing someone who doesn't yet know Jesus. And just to give you a sneak peek of this coming week's challenge, It will be like Cleopas and Mary to eat with someone. Again, someone who isn't yet a Jesus follower. As you think about how Jesus is made manifest, how he is made recognizable in our actions, I also want to encourage you to think about joining a small group. John and myself open our home every Saturday night at 6.30. We eat dinner together every week around the table. We talk and laugh, fellowship, share, and we connect. And then we watch the TV series, The Chosen, together, and we discuss it. (laughs) Last week we had 24 people, but there's still room for you. There's still room for more. You know, if you're feeling disconnected, like you want to get to know people better, to make friends, this public gathering is not really that space. The public space is great for some things. It's wonderful to gather in a group, to briefly greet one another, to engage as a large group in worship, and singing, and prayer, and hearing from God's word. But to truly connect, to make friendships, to fellowship, that's a different space altogether. That's more of a personal space where you can get to know others and get to be known. And that's also where Jesus can be revealed. Or maybe you wanna host your own small group to welcome your neighbors, to invite some others, to set the table, to literally pull up a few extra chairs. It need not be fancy, just welcoming. You know, we see the disciples, Cleopas and Mary, moving from despairing to discipling to delighting. And we too can make those same moves as we think about our walk with Jesus. We can turn to God's word and be reminded of his character and what he has done for us so that we also can go and do the same. And then, as we do so, as we open our homes, as we extend hospitality, as we pull up a chair to the table, it's there in that moment that Jesus is revealed. So let's be people who reveal Jesus to others, who live in such a way that Jesus is made recognizable in and through us. Amen. Let
0: us continue to reflect on today's message as we pray for the ministry of West Morris Church as they continue to make disciples in their community. God, we thank you for the opportunity to pause this morning. To hear from your word, to think about what it means to have the word burn in our hearts. The truth burn in our hearts. And we echo the prayer of Pastor Marble. May we be people that reveal the goodness and the plans of God in the way that we live our lives. God, we pray for this church They have such an opportunity to serve your people, the people that you care about, the least of these. We ask that you empower them, that you bring them resources, that you give them the hope and the courage to do the things that need to be done in difficult circumstances. We ask that your spirit fill that church for your glory and your name and your renown. God, we love you. We thank you for this time together, even as we are spread apart over time and distance. We are together in uniting our hearts and minds to worship you and to love you by studying your word and encouraging your church. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to stay connected with Dr. Marble, you can follow her on Twitter at Kristen Marble. That's K-R-I-S-T-E-N-M-A-R-B-L-E. If you're a local church preacher and you would like to be featured on the podcast, please contact us on Twitter at no small churches. We would love to talk to you about how we can amplify your voice to encourage and empower the local church. You can also follow me, Ephraim Wilkoff, at Wilkoff, E-W-I-L-K-O-F-F-E, on Twitter. And please, if you enjoyed today's podcast, consider sharing us with a friend or leaving a review. It's the best way to help us amplify the voices of these great local church preachers. And now, hear this Eastertide benediction. All praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy the God of all consolation. Do not rely on yourselves alone, but put your trust in him. For the God who can raise the dead to life again will also deliver you. Amen.